0: You are now tuned in to The First Gems Podcast, a space where first-generation Millennials discover, heal, and share their experiences. Join us as we explore culture, community, and the come-up.
1: On this episode of The First Gems Podcast, we sit with Nina Bilkis, a digital creator, activist, feminist, and social entrepreneur from Sierra Leone. Mina is the founder of a community-based organization called Girl Up Fine Club Sierra Leone, and is passionate about sexual and reproductive health rights, digital rights, feminism, youth empowerment, and so much more. Let's get into it. I'm so excited because this is like a long time coming, okay? Cause what year was that when I went to Sierra Leone? 2017. Just to give everybody like a, um, I guess a backstory, right? Actually, I don't even remember all the details, but I remember finding you, Mina, on social media. It had to have been Instagram or something. All these pictures that you were posting, I was like, Freetown, like I need to get back out. Cause I was living down in the rural in the cut. I was in Bo, which is a second city. Um, and so Freetown is like a beachy nice, like the weather is just, it's cooler. Um, mm-hmm. that's where all the young people are doing really cool things. And, what did I do? I think I just slid in the dance. I was like, hey, I see what you're up, up all your stuff like. I'm gonna be in Freetown this week. Like, let me know if you wanna hang. And literally you were like, Yeah, sure. <laughs> so
0: I You're remember flying in
2: the DMs. Right. I'm like, <laughs> that's a
0: skill. That's a skill. That's a classic that you got right there. You did. <laughs> yeah.
1: And so what I remember was you were like, Yeah, I'm doing this speaking engagement at Radisson Blue. And you were like, Yeah, come through, come through. And I and that was the time. I don't I don't remember if it was it was another podcast or another group of young girls who were interviewing Nina, And I just remember sitting there like, oh, this is nice. Like, okay, <laughs> like this is this is what we need to be doing, right? And um, that was our one day of hanging out. Like, I remember we went to Gigi Bonta. Is it Gigi Bonta? Yeah, Gigi Bonta. Mm-hmm. Oh, missed it. Sitting by the beach. Like, I really was just like, oh my gosh, I'm a 20-something, living my life with these other 20-something-year-olds who are Sierra Leonean." fly women doing boss stuff and like (laughs) (laughs) it was so inspirational for me and I remember you were asking me like so what what brought you here like what brings you to Sierra Leone like because I'm not Sierra Leonean um you know I was there working for two years on like real health projects and whatnot and so, and then also being from LA, being Nigerian, I was like, I just want to connect with my people, you know, right. and I'm just happy that we've been keeping in touch virtually <laughs> ever since and, you know, just keeping up with each other, like meaning you do a lot of great stuff with your org and your business and um, all that we could get into when you introduce yourself but we had to have you. I was like, I need to see my Salon Creole Mommy. I got the earrings if you can't see. I'm repping.
3: Yes, I love it. Welcome to the first jam. Thank you, thank you. I read through um, y'all's very beautiful pitch deck, the media kit. It's really exciting what y'all are doing. So I'm looking forward to learning more about y'all as y'all get to learn more about me.
2: Awesome, we're excited.
1: Yeah, so do you want to get into it? Just like a brief introduction, Mina, who you are, where you from, your name, your
3: age, your sign, all that. Yes, <laughs> my sign. <laughs> you remind me of TikTok. I'm very obsessed with that. But yeah, okay, so I'm Mina Bilkis, and um, my platform is uh, digital. I love everything digital, and um, I'm a storyteller, uh, I'm an activist, I'm a social entrepreneur. I run the organization called um, Girl at Vine Club Sierra Leone. So it's with um, adolescent girls. It's a safe space for adolescent girls, and it is run from the government-assisted school called the Divine School here in Freetown. And um, yeah, our main projects are menstrual hygiene management, uh, sexual reproductive health rights, uh, gender-based violence, and digital rights. As an entrepreneur, I run a social enterprise, which is called Ori from Sierra Leone. So Ori, y'all are Nigerians. You know, Ori is Yoruba for Shea Butter. Uh, We have a lot of Nigerian influence because Yoruba traders came in the 17th, 18th century and Shea Butter was one of their main commodities. So I was like, oh, you know, I should be smart with it. I should, you know, patent Ori, you know, so then I'm the only one that has it. So that's Mm -hmm. where Ori comes from. So Ori is a social enterprise. It was born because of Girl Up. So Girl Up was founded in 2016. And then ORI was founded in late 2018, but we officially launched in 2019. And um, because Girl Up is a community-based organization, um, our proceeds from um, our sales goes to run uh, the Girl Up Club. So it was just a way to make it sustainable because I'm not someone that subscribes to like the NGO model that you have to you know, approach donors and it's not always in your best interest. We can do our projects how we feel because our money comes from an organization ori that is in our best interest so um, that's how the two are uh, that's how the two work together and like the girls who age out of the program some of them come back and work with ori so it's like fostering ownership within the girls and also just that agency of control of being independent and being resilient as well and as an individual even if that's not enough so i am a digital content creator as i've said um, i say I like to focus on everything, but mostly I like to tell stories of Ceruleans, uh through an authentic lens. And I'm currently rebranding Mina Bilkis and I want to do more of like stories from the continent. I travel a lot because of work. So usually I'm like in Accra or, you know, Nigeria or wherever I find myself in the world. And I always see I always <laughs> meet very interesting, phenomenal people as well. Not necessarily third culture people like us, but you know, who are also very internationally, international and very worldly. So, you know, I listen to their stories. So that's one thing that I'm trying to curate more of like, I guess, like a a digital library of like other African stories of millennials. My focus is millennials for sure. So, um, yeah. So that's kind of how the idea of the podcast came about. So um, my co-founder and co-host, her name is also Yasmin. My full name is Yasmin, but I go by Mina. So uh, we uh, founded Y Square Pod. Uh, so we did 40 episodes. So we concluded Y Square Pod. But we uh, recorded 40 episodes over the span of almost two years. And it was just that we're two diasporans who returned me coming back from the States, Yasmin came back from um, the UK. And we're just telling our stories of how we live and work in Sierra Leone as content creators, as entrepreneurs through a millennial lens. And most importantly, through a gender lens, as we're both women. Uh, yeah, that's me in a nutshell. <laughs> wow. That's all I'm going to say. Like,
1: <laughs> one of the things about like not even just hearing you know your track record or looking at your resume I literally from that time that I reached out to you, Mina it was like yo this is me like is she doing it I could do it too because word for word like bit by bit that's all the stuff that even with this podcast that we're trying to do is just like really build that community and find a philanthropy find a cause to really champion and even for me and my avenue of public health like reproductive health is my focus and so meeting with you I was like I'm looking in a mirror like this is a reflection and on top of that you a Gemini so it's like oh, oh for real? <laughs>
2: yes you Gemini any other Geminis here or out Maybe. of my, my um yeah. what is it my complimenting sip okay oh okay you're a Gemini <laughs> are you a May Gemini or a June Gemini
3: I feel I'm that's a integral. May Gemini you know what I need you I saying you know that's I'll take it. I'm a June Gemini. Is
2: there a difference? The same one. Don't come for me. No, we're
4: not. You
0: know, I got, like, fun facts. Like, I mean, I don't know, Mina, we never said this, but we're all cousins. I don't know. Oh! (laughs) Yeah, so, so (laughs) Jada, um, my stepdad, and my nephew are all made Geminis, and they're all born on the same exact day.
4: Oh, wow. Okay, but okay. those are males. I'm, a female. I'm not crazy. That's your you not crazy.
2: You're not crazy. She, <laughs> no. Isn't your mom a Gemini too, Tanina? Your mom's a yes. Gemini. Yes. Yeah, my mom's yes. a My mom's a Gemini.
4: Hey, Gemini. Hey. My mom's a Zoom Gemini.
2: Gemini. A
3: Gemini. Yes. Dang. <laughs> my mom's a <laughs> Gemini. Yeah. So. Gemini, right. So we're just waiting for Aries to finish their season, Taurus, and then we can live.
4: Right,
3: <laughs> coming up on the horizon who that who that oh that's
1: the gym dropping gemini's
4: <laughs> that's right
1: i love it i love it so we're so excited to have you here we're just you know we're just gonna have a good time we got some questions we're gonna just have a nice book yeah, chat go ahead
0: i have an open book Before we get into, you know, the deeper questions, we like to throw out icebreakers just to kind of, I feel like we already got comfortable. My icebreaker for today would be, hmm, if you could describe 2021 in one word, what would it be? We know 2020 was a hot mess, but what would you, what would be your word for 2021?
3: For me, uh, 2021 is about uh, intentionality. Uh, I say this as I look at my vision board. It's important to be intentional. I think that rationale of a seed wasn't really planted in us until like last year. You know, we realized that we really are not um, in control of every aspect of our lives, no matter how good you are at planning, no matter how good of a delegator you are. 2020 was a mess, as you rightfully said. So this year, I just kind of like you know, for my new year resolution slash my vision board, like planning session, I wanted to be intentional. And I wanted to be intentional of every aspect of my life, you know, my finances, my spirituality, uh, my fitness, you know, everything, love life, everything. So for me, that's how I define 2021 about being intentional and sticking to that. So that means about um, setting healthy boundaries. That means about uh, setting goals. Um, I have a huge issue with procrastination. So like I tackle my procrastination issues. So things like that, just being intentional.
2: I guess for me, I would say 2021 is about elevation. Um, that's my word, just because you know, I'm being challenged a lot in my work in terms of like having more responsibility and being able to like meet higher expectations. So um yeah, just like elevating in like every way, like confidence, like when it comes to my job, like you know, just really stepping into these rooms and owning the rooms and things like mm-hmm. that. So
3: yeah, that's my word. I love that. I like that elevation.
0: So my word for 2021 is fulfillment. And that's because I feel like, you know, I just want to be more aligned with things that I want to do, um, my purpose. Um, So not being afraid to take risks and you know moving at the beat of my own drum you know what makes sense to me may not make sense to you but i'm still doing it anyway because you know my peace over everything so that's my Absolutely. little motto too for this year like my peace over everything and i'm focused on being fulfilled if it if it doesn't serve me you know it can hit the dough. So. <laughs> okay. so yeah, that's, that's my word for this Ooh, Yeah. With that, I would say, I, I, it's crazy because
1: I just had this conversation yesterday, um, discernment and really just, it's like the law of attraction. You know, I want to attract, I don't want to chase. And that goes for relationships. That goes for really overexerting my energy, you know, because I want to really, be able to know what is mine and what is for me, because that's just going to come naturally. I don't rhyme, but, um, <laughs> but really discernment, being able to know like, okay, I, I have a pool of opportunities and different ways that like, you know, different pathways or when I reach a crossroads, really being able to trust like myself, have faith and know that the decision that I make is what's going to be my benefit.
4: Well, you all made some really amazing declarations. Um, I've been finding myself saying relax a lot lately. Like I've been telling people relax, like relax, relax. Like, cause you know, like last year it it took us, drug us through the mud. And I know that we want to like own every aspect of our lives. Like, you know, but sometimes you just gotta like stay still a little bit and just kind of look at where you're at where you want to go and then you'll have more um of a sound mind and you're able to like kind of think a little better when you're just relaxed like Self, that that could mean self-care. That could just mean like, okay, let me preserve my peace by like, okay, I don't want to be over here with these rowdy folks or I don't want to stress myself out with this. So let me just relax. Like everything that's meant for me will come to me. So let me relax a little bit. That's that's, that's the vibe I want right now. That's going to be the new single, Relax. <laughs> relax. relax. Yeah, that could mean, uh, you know, relaxing on an island. You know, or some, some right. luxury. So I have just been like, relax, relax, like
0: calm down, relax, like you know. But you know. I love that. That was like such a good close <laughs> to all the words that we said too, because most times we're like, on go, 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 go. Mm-hmm. Like we never like take dedicated time to really like relax, because you know sometimes it may be seen as a taboo, like trying right. to go down and pace yourself, and you know, because. Hustle culture, everybody's on this hustle culture, but you know, there's like an anti hustle culture movement going on right now, mm-hmm. and I'm mm-hmm. totally down for that because, um, yes, of course, get your money, you know, do what you have to do to be to keep taking steps forward, but don't burn yourself out, don't, yeah, kill yourself for, for what, what are you doing? Yeah, here? I was gonna say
4: burnout is real because I be having my days like, I don't need this, yeah. <laughs> <Burn> <laughs> <out>. <laughs>
1: like Rochelle. of forever. Hey, Chris. My man got two jobs. (laughs) How (laughs) deep? All right. So let's get into it. Um, (laughs) I love it. Yeah. Relax. Coming soon.
4: (laughs) Relax.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So, Mina, um, getting into more of what you had shared, there's just so many things that, like, we want to know. So starting off in basically... the the area that you work, right, which is really promoting feminism, promoting um, reproductive rights initiatives, just women health initiatives, um, and just, you know, championing for the women. Um, And given your context that you're living in West Africa, you're back in Sierra Leone, I just remember also trying to move for certain initiatives, like menstrual hygiene, or things that weren't necessarily talked about freely, right? So some taboo topics. We want to talk about sexual health and wellness and having it be, well, how do I put this? The patriarchy, right? The man, the man. (laughs) So I'm always curious to know, like, how do you navigate everything that you and your business stand for, given that you are a diaspora? Like, how has that been for you building, building such a specific empire back home?
3: I think I'll say I took one step at a time. Um, like when I tell people what I do, they always have this impression, like, wow, you're doing all of that. Yes, in the grand scheme of things, I do dabble in a lot of things. I wear multiple hats. And in some occasions, it's like I'm wearing two or three hats, but it's one, it's like when you lay one brick and you've laid that foundation, and then it's another, you know, everything was planted one after the other. So with that, it came with like a lot of um, consultation. I, I don't do anything without like, um, informing people in my circle, you know, uh, seeking advice, uh, talking to my mentor. I'm like, look, this is what I want to do. Um, especially, I would say with Girl Up, that was um, the one I feel like I had to put in the most work in quotes just because of like what you said, the different barriers. I'm viewed as an other, you know, a diaspora, different things. In as much as I am union but I don't speak like a Union in quotes. You know, I don't look like a Union in quotes. You know, everyone has their, Preconceived notions and biases of what someone should be or look like. So, that having said, when I um, started doing the legalities for Girl Up, like you know. The, the boring stuff, the legal stuff, how to um, register it and all of that. So when I met the girl that uh, later became the the first president of the If I was asking her, how is the administration? Can you kind of vet for me before I get to your school so that it's easier? And she did a very good job. So by the time I talked to the um, the Vines School administration, they were very well received because, you know, someone from their school who was also in good academic standing had already vouched for me So that's school. I feel like if you already have if you meet someone who you're trying to um, start like a project or you know a collaboration with them, try and find that common ground. So that's how I did. That's what I did with um, that girl, her name is Suad, that's what I did with Suad. And um, after, so the administration invited me to talk to um, their student populace, which was like hundreds of girls. And then by the end of the week, we had our first cohort, which was about 23 girls. And then every year we take in new applications and we, we never exceed 25. So, um, and then we train those girls so that they can also become girl champions in their communities. That's the, um, the, um, the business model at Girl Up or the, um, the community-based model at Girl Up. So, that's, that's how that was. It's just like, it, it just takes one person to hear and see the work that you're already doing. And then those other barriers, I'm not saying that they don't exist, but they become easier with time. So like the first six months when I met the girls, it wasn't about me trying to impose what I know because at the end of the day, I come across as you know a Westerner, I'm privileged and whatnot, which is all valid. But I'm like, how do I help these girls? in a way that uh, they understand their worth and it doesn't come across as exploitation because many, many of our sisters and brothers, they come back home under the umbrella term, oh, I'm coming to hell. I'm coming, you know, it's, it's, it's the same thing. Like you're just perpetuating white savior complex and it's worse, mm-hmm. but it's your own people that are doing it. So I was just like, how do I cement myself as one of them even though I don't share the same experiences as them? And the best thing to do is to learn from them. So for six months, I just watched them. In the sense that we had a meeting every week for ninety minutes, but I learned from them as in as much as they were studying me, I was studying them. So I asked them questions like, "Have you underwent FGM, female genital mutilation? Um, were you at risk of being a child bride? You know things like to understand. So when I got that statistics, that's how it's able to fundraise based on those statistics. So it's not like your general NGO that will be like, "Oh yes, these amount of girls are starving." No, no, no. no. Everything mm-hmm. that you know was produced was not. Over exaggerated, it was the facts, it was from their own words, their own testimonies. So that's how I was able to start Girl Up and get that massive support so that we could do our projects and um, we can do facilitations and workshops throughout the country. When you start that momentum, trust me, people come like, I, I will just wake up and I get an email, I go, hey, I would like to donate to Girl Up, what project can I fund? You know, but that's when you've put in the work tirelessly you know like the first couple of years but yeah that's I'm being transparent and of course social media helps a lot so that that uh is in regards to like girl up for me in a book is when I first started actually my education well my professional background in Sierra Leone I started off as an educator so like um my education background is in French and global health so I was teaching NGOs and uh, other aid workers French for those who like go to Francophone country. So that was my business model for the first couple of years. And teaching is great and it's very rewarding, but it's very taxing as well. And I wanted to kind of like pivot. So I switched over to more of consulting. I consulted when I was in education, but not as much because it's a very active um, profession. So then I switched over to business development and like um, business strategy and personal development. So I do more coaching and digital um, speaking engaged, not just because of COVID, but also because of COVID. I also started to rethink my business model. But yeah, I've taught for like seven years in Sierra Leone. I was like, I think it's safe to say that ain't nobody going to be mad at me. So so I just switched over to more consultancy and, yeah, just strengthening my businesses. At this point, I'm looking to, like, scale up for Girl Up and Ori. So that's where I'm at, really. Um, So I guess, um, in a nutshell, it's about making that connection, uh, trying to sustain that connection, but also being dedicated and being true, transparent. That's very important.
4: Wow. Once again, wow.
1: That's perfect. Honestly, and it's so inspirational thinking about, Cause there's a lot of conversation nowadays, right. About first gens wanting to go back home and build up the country and let's go back home. Let's do something. Um, but what you're saying is so true because it really is. You have to put the work in. And at the same time, I love how you're saying like you just bypass all the, all the naysayers. Um, <laughs> I'm remembering Years back, Jada, we just had this conversation about wanting to plan something, but I guess presenting as like girls or, you know, our family still sees us as like children, I guess. So when we come up with these ideas or these initiatives or these plans or just even a basic something that we want to put together, it's always, not always, but more than often, them seeing us as girls, they're like, "So what can you even do? Like, what, what are you what are you gonna accomplish?" And so all of that does sort of impact, I guess, the progression of our work. But even with starting this platform, as long as we stay consistent, dedicated, mm-hmm. keep reaching out to people, like that's the formula, you know. And I love that you really do have a track record, you know, Mina, of being like, I, "I've been here, like I was running," sure. and um. <laughs> you know, you're able to look at it from different lenses. I love what you're saying about really just taking it in from the community and learning from them um, because that's the best way to, to be informed on what exactly, like what type of impact you'll be able to come in with. You meet people halfway. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that.
4: Yeah, and I love how you said girl champions. Like in my head, when when you said that, I was just like, oh, she's there just empowering like the next generation and empowering these next, um, these younger girls and just you know being a voice for them if they don't have a voice and being you know bringing resources to them like that's amazing because oftentimes as women we're looked at second-class citizens or like you know the lesser species so it's amazing that you have come in and you're giving back and you're doing the work you're laying the foundation for people to come behind you and follow up or just to be you know to contribute to your, to your cause, I think that's amazing.
0: I especially liked um, when you talked about how to help um, without coming off as a white savior, and I think that's very important to note because, I mean, you don't, being from, you know, the US and going to back home and trying to to help, whether you are white or not, it is going going to come off like that if you don't have a certain approach. I wanted to get deeper into what that looks like and how you can avoid being back, because obviously us, we one of the premises for the first gems, too is to go back home or um help other countries too, and uplift them in you know in uh, multiple facets. So we wouldn't want to come off as that too. And I know you said um that the first step is to understand, but what are some other ways too, that you can you know initiate a project and um be helpful instead of and harmful in the long run? Um, and without exploiting, because, you know, this is new territory. I know for me, so I'm sure mm-hmm. other people who do want to go back and help would like to know some
3: more of this information, too. Just to elaborate on my point, you really have to know the issues, because in as much as dashmans, they have the connections, they have the buying power. But there's a lack of this. There's a cognizant dissonance when it comes to understanding the issues on the ground. It's always like, well, why can't you all just do this or why can't you all just do that? It's because our experiences are different, you know, even though yes, I was mostly raised outside of Suriname, but when I'm here, I definitely identify as Syrian because I see when people try to come inside, they're like, oh, let's do this and that. I'm like, but it's not applicable in our context. It's not that mm-hmm. our people aren't smart enough, you know, it's not that they're not exposed enough. It's just not applicable to our climate and our context. So I would say is to have like a fixer on the ground, have someone who you can relate to. It's about that relatability factor. Find someone that you can relate to. Um, or a group or whoever that you're collaborating with. And when you come, come with an open mind. I always say this, don't, I, in as much as very hard to not come with your preconceived notions and ideas, but try to be as very open-minded and like a sponge as possible, because the more open you are to learning in that process, you also start to unlearn and relearn certain things. So then when you think about your approach to development—it doesn't come off as this black or white savior complex. It's just you as a person that has an innate human need to give back and to give back to a community that is of origin, give back to a community that you identify with. So when you you do that and you see, you know, even if it's like a couple of weeks, you come and identify what the issue is because um, sometimes I can see that gaspers don't necessarily have the direction. Okay, we just want to give money or we want to give clothing or whatnot, but then how does it benefit them? Because sometimes it can create another problem that of course you were naive about, you know, you weren't very well adverse about it, And that's fine. You know, we're human beings. We all make our mistakes, but for you to kind of not make those mistakes and just go into the work of it, find your tribe, find who you relate with. And from there, try to understand what the context of that issue is. And then you see how best you can help that issue. I, I like girl up for us. Our help is not monetary. We don't give the girls money on any shape or form. We, we capacitate them. We give them the skills so they can make tons more money than we could ever think of giving yeah. them. That's yeah. the scheme of grow up. So a lot of things, a lot of places do that as well. I know that money goes far, but because they're adolescent girls, we don't want to start that narrative. So we just... Um, we, uh, we give them the connections. A lot of them, when they go to high school, they're already interning with all these organizations and individuals that they met throughout their program. So, um, yeah, that, that's one way also. It's just, um, even if it's like two weeks, let's say you're doing um, a photography class, for example, you know, that's a way that they can um, create income for themselves. So it doesn't necessarily have to be money. It could be other ways as well. So I'll say, in a nutshell, three things is one, finding someone on the ground, coming yourself to understand the issues, and putting it into context I'm,
1: okay. I'm curious to know as well with how you've been able to build a digital platform and um, a lot of people at least from my understanding when I went to Sierra Leone and then came back a lot of people did not know much about Sierra Leone what Sierra Leone has to offer what are Sierra Leoneans the history of how Sierra Leone came to be Um, And so I'm curious to hear more about the storytelling projects and the podcast journey that you went on and exactly like how that came about and where you are on that journey.
3: Yeah, um, you're so right. Like when I whenever I travel like, oh, you're from Sierra Leone. So you speak French, right? French. Exactly. <laughs> I'm like, what? I was like, no, we're Anglophone. I was like, just like Nigeria, Ghana, you know, we're five Anglophone countries in ECOWAS, so mm-hmm. Economic Community of West African States. And they're like, no, y'all are definitely French. I'm like, how are you gonna tell me? How you are Yeah, <laughs> you know. And then so it's but they're like, oh, but you speak French. I was like, no, no, no. I speak French because I studied the language. I'm an anomaly, honestly. And like so you that you you see that speak French, they went to Guinea. So during our war, right. our civil war was from '91 to. 2002 so 11 years a lot of people fled to guinea and a lot of them can speak french because of that and then of course sometimes randomly you hear like oh well y'all speak portuguese i'm just like okay as a case, i know (laughs) the first european invader was a portuguese man pedro de cintra 1492 we all know the story but no um, needless to say we do (laughs) not speak portuguese either but yeah so um when i came back to syria i came back to syria in 2014 and um you know uh, I came back in February. Um, Ebola started in May. And then in July, it came to Freetown, the capital. And then that's when a state of emergency was declared by our former president. During that time, I was teaching, like I said, and then later on, I opened my tutoring business. But when I started traveling for like uh, for Girl Up, basically, like a- attending feminist conferences, and then I got into the digital space. So me as a person, I'm very private, but like growing up, I've always been like in theater. I've been in the public eye, more or less. I've always had to be like debate club. I've always had to like put on a persona, but that wasn't like Mina, that wasn't me. So like, I never minded doing it because it's like I'm taking on a different personality. But when I wanted to start my business and I realized that business goes hand in hand with social media, that's when I started to use it. Cause I never, I only use Twitter. Like, you know, cause I write yeah, Twitter definitely. is the fastest way to get my opinion across. I wasn't on Instagram. I wasn't even on Facebook, but because I needed my business to have some kind of credence and social media helps that creating that identity because not everyone will click on your website, but if they see your content and they engage with it, chances mm-hmm. are they'll come to you. So that, and I, when I check my analytics on my website, it's always like, oh, 70% from Instagram. am like, oh, okay. So this, this is what getting people's attention. So when I started using social media for business, like uh, five years ago in 2016, that is when I was like, you know what? Surin is not really well represented. It's enough, you know, it's already bad enough that when I go to conferences, I'm the only Surinian. You know, I'm always the only one under 30. And it's always like, I don't need to reinvent the wheel when we have so many Surinians. But because, again, when I talk about diasporans coming home, we need to understand the issues, our context. One, our digital penetration rate is very low. It's below 25%. The average Sierra Leonean earns about 5,000 leons, which is about 50 US cents. So it's just not practical. It's not in as much as the WHO declares internet as a fundamental right, which it is, but access yeah. to information is not a right for us, it's a privilege. Um, we, 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 uh, we tackle with um, electricity issues, uh, with water issues. You know, like, honestly, um, electricity, uh, not electricity, internet is like a backseat for us. So when I would go to these digital rights conferences, I, I guess that's where my advocacy in digital rights and access to information came from because I knew the frustration that I felt in Sierra Leone. When I first came in 2014, having home internet was like a myth, you know? So I'd go to the U.S. Embassy to do my research and stuff like that. Then home internet came, but it was so expensive. We have like um, the the little Wi-Fi pads, the modems, dongles that, that have different names. At that time, it was like 100 U.S. dollars just for that. I mean, which family can usually afford that? Very little, the elite as they call us. And then now, you know, seven years later, though the cost has definitely reduced drastically, Uh, One gigabyte is about three U.S. dollars. I mean, that's better than what it was when I came. When I came, it was 25 U.S. dollars. So, you know, we're getting better in terms of our affordability with our infrastructure. And the telecommunication companies are being held to social responsibility clauses, which is great. So that's why you see a lot of them doing a lot of social impact. Because... They now are beginning to understand that it's now a right and it should not be something that should be exclusive to Freetonians. I should be able to go to my village and access Internet, which I can. But I couldn't say that a few years ago. I can access perfect 4G Internet in my village now. So, you know, all of this, these compounded and complex issues is why I was like, you know what? I need to tell our stories. I need to position myself. So when I'm at different conferences, I'm not only amplifying my own voice, I'm amplifying other Syrians who do great work, who may just not have the access or the savvy mm-hmm. to navigate social media platforms. So I think that's where my my activism for like digital rights and access to information came from. That's how I started like identifying myself as a storyteller, as a digital storyteller, because it's very important in these spaces, especially as a young person. So uh, I think that it was like an amalgamation of all these issues that basically brought me to identify as a digital content creator.
4: Again, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Every time you speak, it's just like, okay.
3: wow.
0: <laughs> yeah, she had me thinking of like, dang, like, I really need to. A... <laughs> yeah. Just
1: come gather the girls real quick. Like, right.
0: Oh, my Jesus. <laughs> Honestly, so amazing, empowering and impactful. Um, I love all of the impact work that you are doing. Do you feel that you really got the support that you, you needed when you were transitioning into moving back to Sierra Leone and, you know, starting um, Girls Up and like what, what was your main motivator behind that besides wanting to help and amplify Sierra Leonians, uh voices?
3: I would say in the process, I was also finding myself. Uh, when I came back home, I was very broken emotionally and spiritually. So I came home really for a recharge. I was only supposed to come home for like six months, you know, then six months became seven years. Um, during that time, like, you know, Ebola happened. So obviously I, I had a lot going through my mind. I was like, should I go back, you know, and then face the scrutiny? And, you know, like, you you, you know how these racial bias questions go. And my mom went to the States like a couple of times for work. And she was just saying, it, it just felt like you were an alien. You know, they they put everyone in West Africa. They just bunch you in one side. Then they give you a tracker phone for, two, for three weeks. And even when she came back home, she still had to be calling the CDC. And she's like, I'm in Sierra Leone, leave me alone. You know, it came to that point that she just had to like go Karen on them. And I was like, yeah, this point is <laughs> harassment. She's already gone and come back. Why are you calling her? But yeah, I feel like uh, throughout that process, when I came and like, like I said, internet was a struggle. So fortunately I live right next to the embassy. So, it's just like, you know, a stone throw away. So I'll just walk to the embassy and then I'll be there. So it was during that time when, you know, Ebola cases were going up and like 14,000 girls became pregnant during that nine month closure of schools. And I was just like, this is an issue. As a teenage pregnancy is legit an epidemic in Sierra Leone. And knowing our context, they're not going to allow these pregnant girls to go to school. The, I mean, this was way before I actually found out about the teenage pregnancy ban and before the ban was actually enacted. Mm-hmm. But yes, uh, retrospectively, the government ended up banning visibly pregnant girls for years. And it was just last year, we finally had that overturned. It went to the ECOWAS court, and then it was finally overturned, which is great. But five years in court, all of us activists and NGOs have been fighting this. But I guess in the process, uh, when I was doing this, I was also learning about myself because in as much as, yes, I'll say I lived a very comfortable life, very privileged. However, I felt like I was sheltered from these issues. I went to private school here. So I I don't know people who have undergone FGM or those who have been at risk of child marriage. But when I met these girls, it was like I was meeting, you know, day-to-day Serenians, which I just didn't have, in a way, the privilege of meeting unless there were like domestic staff or security at a hotel or at a restaurant or something. So doing that process, yeah, I got to learn more about empathy and compassion, I would say. And also um, yeah, just rebuild my emotional and spiritual parts of myself that were really struggling when I was in the States. Like my mental health was just like zero, which is like one of the reasons why I decided just to come back home and start afresh. So it gave me that perspective. And for those of you that are like first um, firstborns, you know that like by default, first, you know, first daughters, our love language is act of service. I am so, so typical with that. So my love language has always been act of service. So when I saw this opportunity to work with these girls, I was just like, oh, well, I'm doing what I love because, you know, I already like mm-hmm. to give, I already like to be helpful. So it just basically validated what I wanted to do. And also we talked about fulfillment earlier. It fulfilled me emotionally and spiritually so I felt like in that sense I had fulfilled one of my callings that's
4: so inspirational and so <laughs>
3: you're a you're first daughter correct I am a first daughter yep I just have a younger sister yeah it's just the two of us I love how you
4: mentioned we kind of talked about before like just being in the U.S. we're just so flooded with like work life and just things day to day like we don't think about certain things and so With traveling back home and we're able to kind of decompress and just absorb like our surroundings and get to know like people who live a completely different life. And it just it's inspiring. And then you also really just want to find like your place in that, you know, because you're just you're taken away from just your busy life, your hectic life. In the U.S., and you go back home, and you want to plant a seed, you want to, you know, build a foundation, you want to just touch the people. I, I'm always like, let me go rock with my people. Like, just as you mentioned, you were able to meet people who are security or like hostesses. Like, that was my favorite thing to do when I'm back home. Is I love to talk to the people who are cooking, the people who are selling um, fabrics. Like, I love just that connection. Like, you just feel human again. I feel like when you're in a country such as the U.S., you're kind of just like, oh, like, you're just moving through life. Like, nobody even cares. Like, woe is me, whatever. But I love going to countries where you can just rock with the people and just, like, really make that connection. So that's beautiful.
0: And where there's not so much of an emphasis on being digitally digital. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Although it is important, the access that people have to internet and being digital, but in terms of just like the social aspect of, you know, releasing from the digital shackles. (laughs) Uh (laughs) Or you get to hear more about people's stories. You get to dive deeper. You get to be more aware of your surroundings, what's going on. Um, So, yeah, I definitely want to piggyback on that, Jada.
4: Do you find yourself, I know you live there now, but maybe because like I'm only visiting sometimes, I find myself like struggling between, I want to capture this or just kind of like, let me stay off my phone and take this moment in. Like, how do you decide like what you want to do? Like, <laughs> like, how do you, how do you decide?
1: <laughs> That's real. Cause sometimes it's like out of respect, but then mm-hmm. I also always go back and forth with myself. Like these experiences that we have, Sometimes if I look back on pictures that I took, like, for example, in Sierra Leone, sometimes I forgot about that. But looking mm-hmm. at the picture brings back all these memories or like, thank God mm-hmm. I captured this moment, right. mm-hmm. this event that I put together. That way it's, it's telling my story. But then you're right. You're just like, is this out of place? Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, that is true. How do you find that balance?
3: I feel like because I, in quotes, joined the digital content creation team, like later on, I just got to be an individual before I became like. Um, someone that had a platform, I felt like it was easier to compartmentalize, especially since I live here. The charm or the allure that, oh my gosh, I need this for the gram, it doesn't necessarily exist within myself. I mean, maybe others who probably came back to Sierra Leone or emigrated to Sierra Leone for the first time, sure, you know, all of our experiences are different. But having lived on the, I mean, before I even moved to Sierra Leone, I lived in South Africa for four years. So Africa was never like a stranger to me. And um, I'm actually part Nigerian. So like, yeah, you just heard that Okada so, is this. I, this. I forgot oh, to, one, to yeah. mention
1: that, actually,
3: fun fact. <laughs> yeah, Okada just drove past my window. Yeah, so like, wow. um, <laughs> the first time I came to Sierra Leone was after the war, like in late 2001. That was the first time I came. So before then, like when I was living in South Africa, my family would go to Nigeria. You know, we'd go to other mm-hmm. African countries because we couldn't come to Sierra Leone yet. So, so I mean that culture, I guess like you know it's it's always been in me, you know for say especially since I was raised on the continent though not Sierra Leone. So um, I guess that appeal like oh I need to capture this for the gram or you know whatever it hasn't really been a part of me. However that notwithstanding, like now that. I- I do identify as a digital content creator. And that's what I do. Sometimes, yes, I do have to check myself. I'm like, Mina, is this necessary? You know, sometimes you just have to be present. So sometimes, right. yes, I feel like I'm always in working mode. I'm like, okay, no, it's not for today. But next week I'm doing something like this so I can capture it for real. I'm like, no, uh-uh, just be human for goodness sake. So then sometimes, yeah, it's like that internal struggle really. So yes, I feel like later on, I started to battle with it. But the first couple of years, no, it wasn't really something that struck to me yeah, I guess it's about feeling the energy, you know, reading the room and then just understanding the necessity. I'm like, do I need it or do I want it? So that's kind of like where I balance it. I think a lot of
0: that too goes back to your intent. So mm-hmm. what, do you, what do you intend to do with this content or what do you intend to do with this footage that you just shot? And, um, in Haiti, when we went to Haiti, we were recording everything. everything. <laughs> the intention was definitely there because once we shared what we experienced with our community of people um, in the first gyms, our personal accounts, so many people were like, oh my gosh, I didn't even know that Haiti was this beautiful or Haiti had this. Or I want to yeah. go, I want to learn more about Haiti. So that to me is definitely like um, rewarding because um, although I definitely agree to like I I would love to be more present, um, but I think also thinking about what your intent is behind. Um, are you are you just posting this just a flex that you're here? Right, or to share <laughs> you know inform the people of what's beautiful out there encourage people to travel have a worldly experience i'll also plug in to say
1: i guess just your also your academic background mina so also being someone who's studying global health like some of the things that we learn for the context right of what's the intentionality cultural competency like
2: Mm.
1: even just the work that you're doing the understanding the structures you know and the powers that be quote-unquote And so I think having that as a background really does help when you're navigating the world, right? Because you're really looking at it from a systems, you know, how do these systems operate? For me, I'm in the public health space. So how does the health infrastructure inform who I see in these spaces and what stories are already there that are either ready to be told or that people are willing to also meet me as a visitor, as a stranger, as just another community member to be open enough? And so... I really find those moments, though, like when we travel to other places and even when we come back home, really having people be open and willing, because that's really the invitation to how we're going to be able to build the content. But also, like you said, the purpose, the intent, we're we're really trying to like place a mirror, not only on themselves, on us, but really for anybody that sees the footage, for anyone that listens to the First Gems, like people see themselves in what we're talking about even right now. Mm And are also in these phases of thinking, okay, what am I going to do next? Like, even just hearing you, Mina, like, I know what you're doing because, girl, I'm, I'm a fan, but it's also <laughs> like, yeah, she's doing that. Like, okay, yeah, if I ever have a question, I'm going to just ask her. Let me hear her up. Or just having a network because we're all really trying to achieve our sense of greatness, our purpose. We're trying to produce a product or whatever it is at the end of the day, we're building something that's from our passion. And I mean, I'm just here to network. Like you said, I'll I'm, be I'm sliding in the DMs because I'm like, oh, I see some <laughs> of you. Let's link. Like, so I love it. I really do love it. In the grand scheme of things, as women that we, like Black women, African women, as we are today, or forever, whatever, <laughs> But Black women here having this conversation and thinking about what we want to represent for the future of women, for the future of society, for going back home, um, what are just some gems that are helping us stay true to our goals and keeping us on our path?
2: I would say um, collaboration over competition, especially yeah. as females, um, and especially with what you're doing. Um, you have a sense of like you want to unify, you know, women to be great together, and it's not like an individualistic sort of thing, you know? So I definitely think that us as women like coming together and just really uplifting each other and not looking at each other as competition because we're all on our own path. So really just figuring out how we can, you know, help each other reach the end goal for what we're doing.
0: I would say don't doubt yourself. Recognize that you are um, amazing. You have the potential to um, see through anything that you are planning on doing. And even if you have a couple like doubters on your path, on your journey, if you stay true to yourself, you could really make things happen. So, um, having that inner confidence to put forth what it is that you want to accomplish is key.
4: My gem is that the future is female. Girl, so you stole um... my gem. <laughs> Oh my dear go ahead, go ahead, female. girl. So all the young women, the young girls, um, older women, all women of color, even if you're not of color, the future is female. Oftentimes we're often doubted, we're put down, we're second guess, but I feel like we need to step up and let these people let these men know that we, we yes. too and we have something to say and we, we're doing it. So just you know, you can be an assistance to us. We've been your assistant, we've been your backseat, we drive in the car now. <laughs> you can assist us. So the future is female. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Drop a gem, huh? I would say, and as much as it could be a bit cliche, but I would just say live authentically. A lot of people try to find their purpose, and their purpose seems to be rooted in social validation. You know, oh, this person, you know, they're there, this person, they're there. No, think about yourself. Think of yourself um, as a flower. You know, flowers, they grow differently. They thrive differently. So I would say um, whatever it is that you're called to do, just live your life authentically and the road will be led to you.
2: Absolutely. Amen. That was,
3: um,
4: girl,
2: that was not cliche. That was, oh. so
1: cool. <laughs> that was top shelf quality. Um, Thank- to round it off, I would just say, you know, us as women on the continent, we just have so much, we have so much more to do. We have a lot of work to do. Absolutely. And um, mm-hmm. we just need to keep, keep going, persevering, um, stay connected. Like you said, Mina, a lot of your success is because you have people on the ground. And so for anybody listening, watching, like just stay connected, reach out to people, build a network. And that's gonna be the 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 force mm-hmm. to lead us to the future. Cause the future is what?
4: Female. Oh, yeah.
1: <laughs> Thank you. Have a good day. <laughs> I love this. This was great. I'm so happy, y'all. This has been three, four years in the making, girl. I have not even had a conversation with you. I love this. And I'm just so happy that you were able to dedicate some time to come on down to the first gym. And really, like, girl, it's it's hot in here because you just left the room, like, (laughs) on fire. (laughs) I'm sweating. Like, I love it. I love it. So, you know... (laughs) I'm just so happy and grateful that we have this connection and that we're building even more, and that other people are free to reach out to you. um, Because, girl, after this episode drops, your DMs, your inbox is going to be flooded. Let me just (laughs) tell you.
4: Yes. Thank you so much, Mina. We appreciate your time. We appreciate everything that you contributed to this conversation. And we love what you're doing. You're like, you're extremely inspiring. So, thank you for joining us. Yes. Uh, thank you all so much. It's been great. <laughs> um, so before you leave
0: us, um, how can people find you? What's the best way to connect with you or work with you?
3: Yeah, sure. You can hit me up on Instagram or Twitter. As Anna said, just slide into my DMs. That's fine. I'm very responsive. <laughs> I'm, I'm open to that because I'm just sliding into others' DMs. So it's at Mina Bilkis, M I N A B I L K S check my website out and know other ways to work with me um, speaking engagements facilitation business strategy just let me know hit me up at info at yes and we will be pulling up to Sierra Leone so yes
2: <laughs> sheesh Wasn't that episode fire? Follow us on social media if you want more gems because we stay dropping them. Until next time.